And today we want to talk about drift, the kind of drift that can happen in our lives, especially the spiritual drift that can happen. Now, every nation, any nation, and I fear this is where America is right now, can drift from its founding principles, which people have volunteered at the cost of their lives, like our veterans, to defend. Nations can drift from their founding values. Uh, your company or the company you own can drift from its central mission if it's not careful. Churches can drift from their purpose, and we can all drift personally in a spiritual way from the Lord who has called us, the Lord we've been worshiping today. And this is where Paul starts, chapter 11, uh, by establishing, first of all, the baseline. What, what are we in danger of drifting from? Well, I call that God's heart first. God has a heart for you and me. This would be God's heart for you and me. And he describes it in verse 2 of first, 2 Corinthians 11. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. So he's saying, picking up on the imagery that those who follow Christ, his living church, are, are like Christ's bride. He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. And sometimes we get stuck up on that word jealousy, but there is a kind of what Paul calls a godly jealousy here, that Jesus wants us exclusively. He doesn't want us full of, of things that are more important than Jesus. He wants us exclusively, just as a husband and wife would want one another exclusively. Paul Copen describes it this way, a wife who doesn't get jealous and angry when another woman is flirting with her isn't really committed to the marriage relationship. Outrage, pain, anguish, these are the appropriate responses to such deep violation. And he goes on to say that God isn't some abstract entity or impersonal principle. In fact, we should be amazed that the creator of the universe would so deeply connect himself to human beings that he would open himself to sorrow and anguish in the face of human rejection and betrayal. Jesus went all the way to lay his life down for you and me at the risk that we would turn our backs from him on him and break his heart. And so, and so Paul said, this, this is the gold standard. This is God's heart for you, that you and Jesus be exclusive and there'd be nothing more important. But then in the next verse, and the reason he, he, he's getting into this is, is he talks about the danger of spiritual drift. That's the gold standard, but here's the danger of spiritual drift. Verse three, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and how she succumbed to wanting to do something that human beings were never created to do, and that was to experientially know evil. She was deceived by the serpent's coming, but cunning, by Satan's cunning. And he said, I'm concerned that your minds may somehow be led astray as well. 
Led astray from what? That your minds be led astray from sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That there will be a drift from that spiritual exclusiveness, you in Jesus. And that something of the simplicity of just sincere, pure devotion to Jesus. I'm afraid that you're going to drift. You're going to be deceived. You're going to drift from that. That your life's going to get cluttered up, maybe with religious things, maybe with non-religious things. We sang in worship this morning, Lord, there is no one better than you. But you start living as if there are better things in life than Jesus. I put just a very short list of how this kind of spiritual drift can happen. Uh, there's, the, the, there's the lure of moral and spiritual relativism where we don't believe there's absolute truth, but truth is either what I choose it to be or what my tribe, uh, the, the community I hang out with, what they believe it to be. And so we lose uh, somehow the conviction that there's one Savior from sin and, and, and we're all going to stand accountable to God. Somehow that kind of dilutes. We just, get, we, we, we just get sucked into the lure of, well, maybe things aren't quite that absolute and, and, and somehow other things become more important than Jesus. Or, and, and this is a huge battle we're facing right now, the distractions of political opinions, conspiracy theories, and speculations. And you're entitled to your opinions, I'm entitled to my opinions. But when those things become more infatuating and intoxicating to us than the purity and simplicity of a love relationship with Jesus, then we're drifting. And when, when there's tolerance of secret sin and there's spiritual distance that we're allowing in our lives. That secret sin for many people, even in the church, it's things like pornography and being deceptive with your bosses at work and, and, and not being a kind of trustworthy character person that you need to be and, 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 and secret affairs sexually and, and closet addictions to drugs and gambling and alcoholism and all of these things. I mean, there's just secret sin. We just start tolerating in our lives. They're in the closed closets. Other people can't see them, but they're there. And then the most recent statistic I just read this past week is that they say, uh, of all the people who attended church or, or watched online pre-COVID, that has now dropped by 22%. 22% of the people pre-COVID who attended church or walked online neither attend anymore nor watch online anymore. And I can guarantee you they're not in a life group or a small group. There's no accountability in their life. There's no spiritual reinforcement. There's just spiritual distance that we're allowing in our lives. And Paul's heart's just breaking. He said, I just, I, I, there's just something of simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. It's not complicated. It's just, just devotion to Jesus, the simplicity and purity of that. But he said, you're allowing spiritual distance. You're careless with your spiritual walk. There's secret sin in your closets that, that you are refusing to repent of and to deal with. All of these things begin to lead us away from true freedom. I mean, Steve Grant spoke so eloquently of freedom choir sang about it. Freedom. These things do not free us. The farther you are from your creator, the less free you are. Paul here is 
calling for freedom, not just military freedom, not just political freedom, not just national freedom, but the freedom of your heart to come. And then there's just one more, the sensationalism of spiritual extremes and their promoters. And, and, and this is what Paul was concerned about, this one. Sometimes I think we just get bored with Jesus. And so we replace, even religiously, we replace just the basics of that simple, pure relationship with Jesus with all kinds of, of sensational doctrinal extremes and celebrity pastors that are advancing those extremes. And, and we can become more caught up in those things than others. And this was the problem in the Corinthian church. That's why in the next verse, verse 4, he said, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you seem to put up with it easily. And of course, Paul started this church. He, he said, you know the message of Jesus and his life-transforming power that your church is built on. But, but you, you've had other preachers, and of course, it, it's pretty clear from what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that they consider these other preachers much better preachers than Paul and much more sensational. They were much cooler than Paul. And, and he says, it's just like, it's like they're leading you astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus, but they're sensational, and you're just, you're just being gullible. You're, you're just taking the line, you're, you're, and they're actually preaching to you something different than the gospel with Jesus at the center that I brought to you. In fact, verse 20, a few verses later, in fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. This poor church, if you could summarize in one word, Paul's saying you guys are just way too gullible. You gotta get back to Jesus. And as a result, you're being led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And now Paul's going to do something in which he's going to give us an example of what paying the price to stay true to Jesus can really look like. And he's going to say, I know all these other sensational preachers that you like more than me. They're taking you down the wrong path. They're giving you Jesus plus too many other things that are resulting with Jesus not being the center anymore. And, and he said, I, I, just, I just want you to know that, that I paid the price. I paid the price for staying true. And uh, if you've been a military veteran, you've been to basic training, uh, you might actually identify with Paul here a little bit. Because he said, I've been through it. I paid the price. And so, in verse 23, fasten your seatbelts, this gets gritty. Verse 23, are they servants of Christ, these other sensational preachers that are leading you away that you love so much? Are they servants of Christ? And he says, well, I'm really out of my mind even to talk like this. But, but I'm, I'm everything they would be and more because I paid the price to stay true. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely and I've been exposed to death again and again. I mean, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times, 39 lashes. I can't imagine what his back looked like. Three times I was beaten with rods. That would be incredibly painful. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. 
Verse 26, I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. There in verse 26, he uses the word danger eight times. He just lived in danger. Verse 27, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And then, speaking as a true pastor, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul's saying you've got to pay the price to avoid spiritual drift. So I'm going to end with a don't and a do as I read those verses. First of all, don't let following Jesus become too easy. (laughs) When following Jesus is a piece of cake to you and you're not even having to try hard, I guarantee you you're drifting. It can't be easy. The retired four-star Admiral William McRaven a few years ago gave uh, what's now become a very famous speech uh, to students at the University of Texas. He was a Navy SEAL. He said to those students, I've been a Navy SEAL for 36 years, but it all began when I left the University of Texas for basic SEAL training in California. Basic SEAL training is six months of long, torturous runs in the soft sand, midnight swims in the cold water off San Diego, obstacle courses, unending calisthenics, days without sleep, always being cold, wet, and miserable. Always being cold, wet, and miserable. It is six months of being constantly harassed by professionally trained warriors who seek to find the weak of mind and body and eliminate them from ever becoming a naval seal. This weekend, for the first time in my life, I had the thought, the Apostle Paul would have made a good (laughs) Navy SEAL. I mean, it sounds like what Paul just described sounds like basic training for a naval seal. And then, in this now famous speech, McRaven goes on to say, and on top of it, you had to make your bed every morning perfectly. I mean, the sheets had to be taut, the corners perfectly folded. It had to be perfect, and you had got in massive trouble if your bed wasn't made perfectly every morning. And you would think, what on earth does that have to do with being a Navy SEAL? And he said to those students, if you want to change the world, start somewhere. Start by making your bed. At least start there in the morning so that you've at least accomplished one thing. Listen, you and I aren't necessarily called to experience what the Apostle Paul experienced. But he said we're in a battle against spiritual drift. And there's a lot to take us away, even within the church. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of spiritual clutter. There's a lot of sensationalism that just replaces what it is to absolutely love Jesus. 
And I just think that at some point, it may not be going through SEAL training spiritually, but at some point, we can't let the Christian life become too easy. you got to start somewhere. Maybe it's a spiritual discipline that you just refuse to let go of because at least it's one way to keep reminding me that I'm focused. Prayer, Bible study, fasting, solitude, confession, all of these things. Maybe it's being in a small group. Maybe it's, it's just... It's just deciding I'm going to start thinking more about how I'm serving others than how others are serving me. Uh, But one thing is totally unacceptable, that I'm going to follow Jesus in only ways that come easy for me because that sets you up for spiritual drift. And what you lose is intimacy with the King of kings and the Lord of lords who loved you and gave himself for you. So that's the don't. Don't let following Jesus become too easy for you. I'm grateful for our veterans. They, they went through basic training. They, th- th- that wasn't easy, what they did. And, and, and the possibility of volunteering in the armed forces and losing your life to protect others, I mean, it's not easy. But there's a battle going on in our relationship with Jesus as well. The authors of Mission Drift said, without careful attention, faith-based organizations and faith-based people will inevitably drift from their founding mission. It's that simple, it will happen. Drift is a danger for every one of us. But, but the possibility is sincere and pure devotion for Christ. So while we try to avoid letting following Jesus be easy for us, here's what we do. We do give Jesus the first in primary place in our lives. We give him first place. We give him primary place. No other infatuation, no other interest, no other thing than Jesus. I just want to know you. I just want to get past the clutter. I just want to get back to pure and simple devotion to you. That's all you're asking that I live in. Sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And that's why Christ laid his life down for us so that you could know that. I'm not saying try hard to be more committed. Sometimes that just wears us out, trying to be more committed. The idea is we're more surrendered. It's a huge difference between more committed and more surrendered. It's just finally, God, no, here I am. All I want is you. We actually believe what we sang earlier in the service. There is nothing better than you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I love how the New Living Translation puts it in in Romans 5 and verse 7. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. And we've honored some of those people this morning. But here's the great story. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, when we didn't deserve it. He said, I so want that relationship with you. That he laid his life down to forgive our sin. And he rose from the dead to give us new life. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me?